We'll start this week with the New Year's Day win over Bradford. Darren Stevens described it as an epic, vital, gritty, tough and characterful win. H. Robinson puts it down to courage, effort and resilience. No quality on display, but full credit to the team for digging in. Trevor Griffiths says, ground it out and win ugly are phrases used by teams who are blessed with solid players who believe in each other. Fully deserved three points today. Craig Fisher saw a poor quality game, but it's a huge result due to the tight nature of the league. Rob Murray agrees, no football played by either side, but my God, we worked hard. Ben Benson saw the midfield bypassed a lot, but they never stopped working. Just what we needed to start regrouping. Steve Bennett questions how we weren't against 10 men for 83 minutes, a refereeing performance for the ages. Paul Taylor says the keeper and the defence earned their win today. Panini Union says bloody boothful three points. Graham Miles says Booth made important saves and Chris Long showed us again what we're missing when he's out. You can't fault any of the players. Captain Britton thought Offord was immense in midfield and CBR and Rowe just never stopped running throughout the game. Pete disagreeing, saying Tracy and Rowe were passengers, flashes of excellence, but ultimately disappointing end product. James was surprised Tracy lasted 80 minutes and thought Bradford only threatened from set pieces. Even then, they were mostly offside. Richard Hoyles says one of the great things about following crew is a youngster finding their feet. It's been a big week for Lewis Billington. Chris Thompson saw 11 Liebel-like attitudes on the pitch today. Great result, tough performance. On to Saturday's game at Mansfield. Tom Corral labels it the result of the season. Robert agrees, win of the season. Chris Thompson, simply core. Joe saw grit, passion and determination. Cresty Rodender saw a terrific performance, credit to all involved. And Andy O'Neill labels the win as colossal. It's those sorts of wins that show just how together this squad is. Stuart Grimley asks, what did we just witness? Effort, determination and a bit of luck, but we earned it. Ian Perry thought it was phenomenal from the players. Team has a never say die attitude. That was a massive win. Rory loves this team, grinding out wins with our backs to the wall. Paul Gregory didn't see two clean sheets in a row coming. The character of this team gets better and better. The Funkster wonders if Lee Bell has put the myth to bed that crew need three to win a game after another clean sheet. James Lindsay is pleased about not conceding yet this year and a brilliant away win. Aaron Lewis doesn't see crew get out footballed often, but to win was an excellent effort from a brilliant side. Ashley Cowley thinks Tom Booth has now given Bell a dilemma, as his saves today ensured we got the three points. Callum picked out CBR as phenomenal despite not scoring. He was a constant threat to Mansfield and was a magnet to the ball in our box. Colin Higginson, 6 from 6, Warsaw is forgotten and this team is back on track. Hello and welcome back to the latest episode of the Railway Men podcast. We've two games to go through uh, this time that brought us the full six points on offer. 
To go through those wins over Bradford and Mansfield, our panel today is Steve Davis. Hello, Steve. Morning, Steve. Happy New Year, everyone. Happy New Year, Steve. Tim Robinson. Hello, Tim. Hi, Steve. Hi, guys. And Mark Bertels. Hello, Mark. Hello, everybody. All right, let's start then with the game that happened a little while ago now, New Year's Day at home to Bradford. There was one change before the game with Zach uh, Williams being replaced by Shiloh Tracy. Um, Steve, I'll start with you. I don't know about you, but for me, it wasn't so much about Tracy coming back in. I thought the fact that he came in and Lewis Billington Billington kept his place, it didn't really show Ryan Cooney um, in the best light possible. Um, you're right, it does seem a long time ago now, Bradford. Um, if I'm honest with you, when I saw the team, it, the, the thoughts on Ryan Cooney did actually cross my mind, but we will talk about Cooney after. Um, my initial thoughts were it was a very attacking lineup, um, and it was probably the strongest side. Yes, Cooney was, wasn't around, but it was probably the strongest side that we could put out for a while. So um, it was actually it was actually good to see, and yeah. There was four Shiloh, Long, CBR and Aaron Road. There's four attacking threats there. So it was uh, it was good to see. Mark, it is a long time. And when we have two games to cover, I sort of try and skim over the first one as quick as possible. Because obviously the things we're talking about is out of date. Uh, and one of the things I wrote down on Tuesday after the game was it wasn't really a very a game full of skill or, um, you know, it wasn't a great footballing game. And it was probably the case of, these players had been asked to play four games in 11 days. They all looked quite tired, didn't they? Well, yeah, they did. But then they went on to put one hell of a shift in. Um, I think after we went 1-0 up, um, Bradford threw, you know, to coin a phrase, everything but the kitchen sinkers. And um, we're seeing more of that resilience and ability to stand up to that physical side to the opponent's uh, game. And I think I've seen... You know, it's easy to get over, go over the top at points, but you want to say, or I want to say, that perhaps I've never seen us be able to stand up like we are at the minute to the physical bombardment. You know, you go back to um, all the managers as far back as Dario, who was my first, um, and we always seem to have a bit of a weak spot when we were bullied, but we don't get bullied anymore. And obviously um, that's been the case twice in a week. Tim, if I can come on to you for the goal. Um, it was only 13 minutes in. Chris Long's fouled in the box. No real doubt for me. It was a penalty. I think the only question is, why is it not a red card? Are you uh, aware why it would not be a red card in that situation? Um, I know you've got the triple jeopardy rule now, but as far as I'm concerned, that only comes into play if the guy's made a genuine attempt to play the ball. Um, the ball was nowhere near and it was an obvious goal-scoring chance that was prevented by the foul. So from the laws of the game's point of view, it's an absolutely stonewall red card. How he's not even booked for it is just, you know, bizarre. Without the foul, Long taps that into an empty net. The goalkeeper's come out, he's in no man's land. I don't think you'll see a more obvious case of a, of a, of a straight red for preventing a goal-scoring chance than that. So very, very strange from the referee. I mean, I kind of think that was the first of very, very, very many strange decisions from the guy in the middle. Um, and I don't think they all went against us by any means. But um, yeah, they absolutely should have been a straight red for that for that challenge. Reading the Bradford comments, they're sort of saying there was an, there was an attempt to play the ball and that 
the ball was going away from the goal. I don't agree with either of those um, arguments. No, he, he, he touched it to the side. He, it was a couple of paces to the right, which meant he would have, would have taken the keeper out of the game. But he just, you know, he takes a couple of steps to the right and taps it into the empty net without the guy taking him out from behind. Um, and yeah, the, but the ball's gone. The ball's nowhere near by the time the guy makes the challenge. So it's he's, it's definitely not a genuine attempt to play the ball. Um, I think I'm, I'm, you know, referees get too much publicity, but at the same time, situations like that make me think maybe the referee should be interviewed by somebody after the game and and actually come out and, and explain to the fans like why that wasn't a red card. Well, it'd be nice to know what he's seen and be nice to know the thought process, but I just kind of think that would even more kind of lead to a pile on on social media. So I don't know if it's ne- that would necessarily be a good thing, but yeah, I'm. Um, I think when you when you see decisions that I'm certainly in my eyes, and I admit I'm saying this through very much rose red tinted spectacles. Um, to my eyes, that's absolutely clear decision. Um, you you won't see a more obvious attempt to or denial of a goal scoring opportunity. Um, and I just I can't really get my head around what the referee was thinking. So it'd be nice to know, but you know what's the right forum for him to. Tell us, I don't know. I guess it just depends on if uh, if we could all have a, a grown-up, mature conversation on social media, which I don't think could be too hard, can it? No, surely not. The, <laughs> the great thing about that was um, Chris Long on it. That was, um, you know, he looked sharp, he looked lively. And yeah, he only lasted an hour. But as soon as that ball was nodded back or played back by the defender, who I think was kind of making a tackle in the middle of the park, um, and Long got goal side, you absolutely knew he was going to score. Um, He went across his man, didn't he? It was classic uh, forward play. He knew exactly what was... He he, he basically drew the foul, didn't he? He knew what he was doing. Yeah, but he'd have scored. So, you know, the defender did the only thing that was left to him, which was to haul the guy down. He was very lucky to stay on the pitch. Steve, at the risk of um, repeating our conversation for the Bradford game, for the Mansfield game later, uh, Luke Offord, centre midfielder, he's all right, isn't he? I've seen some tweets on Monday night, was it New Year's Day, whenever, um, that Luke Offord is the best central midfielder this side of the Atlantic. So I think that's probably <laughs> the, the only fair assumption. He, I spoke to Mark at half-time, actually. He was he was incredible, certainly in the first half. Um, and we'll go on to Saturday um, in a bit. But the way he uses his body, um, just, to, and just to put himself about, it's, yeah. And for someone that is... If you come down from space to watch that game, you'd think he'd been playing in that position for years. He's a centre half by trade, so for him to to put in that performance um, and play like he did, and the same at Mansfield, it, yeah, it's what a true captain's all about, I guess. I think I, I again, it's very easy to get um, to go over the top straight after a game, but I've had time to reflect on it now, and given the fact that he was playing out of his natural position, that, that's got to be one of the performances of the season, I think, hasn't it, from one of our players. He was absolutely phenomenal. The ball's drawn to him like a magnet. The amount of times they passed it straight to him was ridiculous. Um, his, his positional sense, considering he's not really played in that position, is is incredible. And I think long-term, that has to be his position now. Not just because I think we look better with him in there from a defensive point of view, but it uses his abilities in the right way. And I always said with Luke Offord, I don't think he's going to play at a higher level as a centre-half because he's he's undersized. And that's 
that's not a criticism, that's a fact. For a centre-half, he's undersized. But in that defensive midfield position, that anchorman role, it, it doesn't matter. And whilst you're not going to get the sort of the range of passing that you used to get from Ryan Wintle when he played in that like kind of deep-lying quarterback kind of role that he used to do, he's got all the qualities, Luke Offord. Um, and I think what he allows us to be able to do is get... If we're playing a 4-3-3 or a 4-1-2-3, it enables us to get the other two centre midfielders further forward. So it's great for Joe White or Joel Taverner when he's back. Or, you know, even Connor Thomas, if you looked at him um, yesterday, um, recording this on Sunday after the Mansfield game, he got much further forward and he was he was able to start his press from a higher position because Luke Offord sat behind him. Um, it enables us to get our full-backs forward from a, from a four. Um so I actually think this is going to be his position. And I think it's his best chance of playing at a much higher level. So, Tim, without any hint of hyperbole, if we play Luke Offord, centre midfielder, the rest of the season, we're not going to concede a goal for the rest of the year. That's what you're telling us. Quite possibly. It's like having N'Golo Kante in there. He's got this um, unreal ability that I don't think you can teach. It comes from, it. I think, some of it's natural and some of it's experience of games. The way that he reads the game is... is superb um and he also he's got a, a really um unusual technique of being able to go in really hard but doesn't commit fouls you know he, he uses his body strength he looks as strong as an ox um and he uses his body well to shield and protect the ball um and he reminds me a little bit of um i'm gonna get absolutely hammered for this but there's a bit of neil sorville in him as well where he does the unseen, untidy stuff where you think, shit, 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 we're in danger here, and then someone gets a foot in, and, and usually it's him. Um, and it can go quite often go unnoticed. So, yeah, I think you're right. I think there's a, a possibility of him playing that role and going higher than he would if he was playing as a centre-half. The, the, the heart, the heart I, sorry, this is a serious conversation, but the heart since Stu when Neil Sorbo was mentioned is incredible. I was just going so to ask, is. why do you think that, that you're going to get pelters for comparing him to Neil Sorvel when you're giving him compliments? I because want people, an immediate explanation, Mark. People tended to not like Neil Sorvel and accused him of uh, only being um, able to pass sideways, but I was a fan. I thought he did a lot, of, um, a lot of tracking back and got important tackles in. I'm sure I've mentioned this before many times. He was the <laughs> first name I ever had on the back of a shirt because I've always had that appreciation of the unloved, unrespected workhorse. Um, Steve, I'm going to move on from the Bradford game because I know we all want to talk about, and I'm sure everyone listening wants to hear about Saturday's game, but there is one person we need to talk about before we do. The man who got his first career EFL clean sheet, Tom Booth. Some achievement for the uh, the young academy player. Yeah, and it was it was good to get a clean sheet in general. Obviously, I've run for a for a while. Um, I don't want to tempt fate. He looked. We will talk about yesterday in a bit. He looked solid enough yesterday. Um, he looked okay on Monday. There was that bit at the end that the save at the end, which ultimately he kept the ball out, which is what is there to do. If you saw that on the park on a Sunday, you'd probably laugh. Um, but hey, look, we're going to probably complain the whole team. But yeah, it's good for him to get a clean sheet or two in a row, and it, it's good for the tie to get a, a clean sheet. So hopefully, that's a, a confidence boost. That he, you know, it's good for him. 
I think his um, performance on Saturday, Mark, I don't know if you agree with this, probably stems from the fact he's kept that clean sheet on Monday. He is a young lad growing in confidence. Similar, although we've not mentioned him yet, but I definitely want to, similar to Lewis Billington. Yeah, I mean, I'm with Steve. When The way that the club um, published it afterwards with that save and then played a clip of it, it wasn't the save that I think people thought it was. Um but it's obviously given him a, a huge confidence boost. And um, and yesterday, I think, apart from... There was certainly one cross where he went walkabouts um, and the defenders bailed him out. There might have been another. But aside from that, I thought he was really tidy yesterday. Um, he looked confident. And of course, you know, I don't want to jump too far ahead because we're still on Bradford, but he made one extremely crucial save. So... Yeah, I think you're right. That clean sheet's boosted his confidence. He loves um, he loves the adulation from the fans, doesn't he? You know, he, he loves the clap before, and he he did the three fist pumps yesterday at the final whistle. So, um, good luck to him. You know, if I assume we're gonna, well, we are looking for another keeper, aren't we? And um, but at the moment, I think he, well, he's certainly in this side on merit ahead of um, Harvey Davis. So, good luck to the lad. He's a crew fan, isn't he? I mean, it's clear to see that he's a crew fan. I think Neil made the point at Wimbledon away where uh, Nevitt scored that last-minute goal. There's no reason for him to have run all the way down the pitch to jump into the supporters to celebrate that goal, but he did because he absolutely loves it. So, yeah, you know, you can't argue, or hopefully you can't argue, with crew bringing through academy players who support crew, who are doing well playing for crew. I think it makes a difference. I really do. You know, I think that... You've got to be a bit of a nutcase to play in goal anyway. Um, but I think there's that extra incentive that I'd like to think I would have had if I'd ever been good enough to play for crew, where you are willing to throw yourself in front of a, a sea of feet to keep the ball out because it, this is my club. You know, I want us to win. Um, it's a little bit more than a job to me. You know, I support this club. So you, you're probably spot on. I normally am. Um <laughs> Just a little note, I might be uh, slightly wrong there. I just realised I called him a crew lad. I don't know whether that's acceptable looking at social media this week. I don't know whether he has got his uh, crew lad credentials. Shambach, isn't he? Oh, I'm in all sorts of I trouble. don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Let's go on to Saturday. We are all a bit giddy. I think uh, I've not quite calmed down from Saturday and I wasn't even there. Uh, I just get to watch it on uh, on the TV. Mark, before we started rep- um, recording, I said to you, it was a game that felt like it took quite a lot out of me and I wasn't there, I wasn't playing, but it, it was hard work just watching that one yesterday. I may as well have played in it. Um, anybody sitting anywhere near me would have thought I got Tourette's, the twitching and swearing I was doing, you know. Sometimes, I don't, I don't know if you three are the same, but when you're watching a game of football, you're, like, you're almost putting your foot in for him, you're twitching, your leg's twitching and you're heading it out of the box. It was like that uh, yesterday. It was... It was emotionally dra- draining, you know. By the time I got back last night and fed myself, um, I was falling asleep on the sofa. I was absolutely knackered um, because it meant a lot, you know. Nobody's gone there and won this season. Um, and I, I, if you've not read it yet, I, I'd urge anybody to read um, Steve Hatton's match report. I've read it this morning. It's absolutely superb, and and I agree with him with this sort of. Um, and arrogance maybe that Mansfield have got, and they're not that big of a club. You know, we've been playing them seemingly forever. And the only time we weren't, we were a lot higher up than them. They've been in non-league. The ground's only got three sides, and yet they they seem to betray themselves as um, giants of League Two. But 
I, 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 before the game, I thought that a draw there would feel like a win, and I, and I wasn't even com- contemplating getting a, a win. I thought it was going to be too much for us. So, um, yes, it was a, an exhausting afternoon, but um, it's one of them where you really enjoy it when the whistle goes. Tim, I think one of the things there, and I'm sort of jumping to the end here, is we scored so early, and then obviously from that point on, we've got something to lose. But my main takeaway from that is there was not a single player that I don't think put their full amount of effort in for the amount of time that they were on the pitch yesterday. And, you know, we talked this, or I've certainly made this point before. If you're supporting crew, we're not expecting 11 Lionel Messi's on the pitch. Um, we're expecting players that are going to make mistakes. But if they're trying their best to win, you, you can't really argue with that. And there was not a single person yesterday that I don't think wanted those three points for crew. Yeah, that was a that was a proper team effort. Um, a real team display. And it I actually found it very difficult to pick a man of the match because every time I thought someone was man of the match, I thought of someone else. Um, and I thought they had a wonderful game as well. Um, I thought that the lineup was interesting. Um, you know, the fact that Tracy didn't start and Thomas came in. I wasn't expecting Thomas to play at all, and I thought he had an absolute blinder. Um but again, I, th- I thought we we just looked so solid. We we looked compact, but then we looked like we could catch them every time. Rowe and Long, and especially White, got the ball in their half. We looked like we were going to cause them problems. And I think we were just. I mean, the the goal was great, and um, we you know we properly caught them. I think cold with the goal, and then whilst they had more of the ball, every time we got it and we kind of got behind their midfield. I thought we were going to score. So, um, yeah, there were two parts of the display that really, really pleased me. One was the defensive side. We looked we looked solid, but we also looked like, as you say, every single player wanted it and it was a real team effort. But then I, I think we showed quality as well. And I think, you know, that was why it was such a really pleasing display for me. It's um, a lot will be made of of the defensive display, and quite rightly so. Um, but you make a good point. You know, I think in years to come, I'll think back to this game and think it was a really resilient performance where we defended the box really well. But it's easy to forget that Courtney Baker Richardson missed an open goal. Um, Aaron at the post. At the foot of the post, yeah. Um, and there was Courtney really, had a header as well. Free header. Yeah, there was. There was. We had. It was the one where he had the side netting in the first half, where White ran through and let, and put it on a plate for him, really, and he would just he just took it a little bit wide. Yeah, you know, we so had some great chances in the game. It's it's important to remember that that it wasn't a complete, it wasn't like Blackburn away from the nineties. You know, it was um, we we held our own and and provided just as much of a threat, I think, as them because for all the um, for all the dominance that they had, I think that one Tom Boo save was probably. With the best save. He wasn't flying around his goal all afternoon, was he? Making save after save. It was a brilliant save, that though, by the way. Let's give him some credit for that. That was a cracking save. Yeah, I think what one of the things that I um heard, just to sit or stick on the 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 team effort and the ethos behind this team. Um, one of the players I thought played out of his skin yesterday was Aaron Rowe. Uh, and what you wouldn't have heard being at the game was um Pete Morse making the point that players like Rowe and Tracy they've not ever had to sort of defend in their career. You know, they've been the best player in the youth teams. They've come up, they've got the ball, they've taken players on and they've done all this at youth football, but they've never really had this um, 
a need to to grind out a three point win at Mansfield in League Two. And I thought that was one of his problems when he first started playing for Crew's team, Aaron Rowe. He does some nice stuff on the ball, but he's not really doing enough to help the team out. But Steve, yesterday, you cannot fault Aaron Rowe for what he was putting for the team. No, absolutely. And we could probably spend, the performance was that good to say, we could probably spend 10 minutes on each player going through the team. But he he started at right wing back, I'm right in thinking. And he actually ended up playing left back. Um for the last 20 minutes or so. Um, and he's come on leaps and bounds. I know we've had a bit of a spell in December, um, but he's probably one that's come out of it with his head held high the most. Um, for me, if we went back to 4-3-3, he's probably ahead of Tracy. Um, well, he is ahead of Tracy now. Um, and for someone that isn't ours, and like Pete said, that obviously on the radio, for him to put that sort of performance in, um, it sums us up. Um and if I'm honest, I was I was sat there. I say we could go through the whole team, but I sat there today with ten minutes ago. Heart rates hundred plus, and I looked around at the on the pitch, and I was like, "We're getting bombed in the air." But there's probably not a group of crew players that I'd want on that pitch today. And anyone else, like, there's Mark's probably alluded to it, but years gone by, there's always been we're going to concede, we're going to concede. But I don't know. Looking at them fellas yesterday, all well, fourteen of them, fifteen or whatnot. There's a bit of can't like I actually felt comfortable that we were. I didn't feel comfortable at the time, but I wouldn't want anyone else out there defending that lead for us. So, and that's down to the manager, if you ask me. But yeah, it's you just stole my thunder. I was going to jump on that, Steve. I think we we've, we've got to talk about Lee Bell in in that um, situation. I read something on Friday, I think it was, from Neil Warnock saying, for all the qualifications and coaching methods you can have, ninety percent of the success you have is down to the way you manage your players. It's his man management. Um, and that's how he, he's got the bulk of his success. And I think that's what we've got. You know, I, I love Lee Bell to bits. I'm not sure he's the master tactician. I think I'm not taking anything away from him, but I think Ryan Dicker is perhaps the uh, the t- technician behind him. But in terms of a leader of men and galvanising the group and creating that team spirit and, and selecting the right sort of characters to come in and fit within a group, you couldn't have asked for a better manager, really, I don't think. You know, these performances aren't an accident. Um, it's a, I think it's a really important part of um, being a football club manager that not every manager's got. Um, and some of our former managers certainly didn't have it. So it, you're right, Steve, it's a massive nod to the manager. I think what he's created, um, this resilience and belief and togetherness, is absolutely superb. And you know what? I noticed this, you know, we're going to get off topic, but at Doncaster last year when we won, I noticed he let all the players take the plaudits. Um, and then we went to Colchester and we were dreadful. And he was the first, he was the one that was leading the players out to applaud the fans. Uh, it was the same at Warsaw when we were, we weren't very good, were we? He was in front. It was him leading the players towards the fans. Yesterday after that, he wanted nothing to do with it. He let the players take the applause from the fans. And that, for me, is a sign of a, a good leader. Um, he stood back, let his players have done the work, but yeah. He let them take the applause and obviously the players are buying into it and you get that sort of performance that you got yesterday and it, and it does come from the top. Just on Tracy, for me, at the start of the season, he was he was brilliant. He was skinning players. He was getting to the byline. He was causing teams no end of problems, mainly from the right wing. Um, to me, now, he looks 
like a player who's overcoached. He he gets his he, he squares up to his man, and then he kind of you can almost see the options wearing. You can see the cogs wearing while he tries to work out what to do next. Instead of sort of just doing it without thinking, he's trying to sort of work out what his options are, and it's it's reminiscent of a player to me who. You know, when when you're coaching players, what you're doing is you're giving them options that they they wouldn't normally think of. You're saying, in this situation, what about this? What about that? And you can almost see him trying to remember the things that he's been taught as he's one-on-one with his man, rather than just knocking it past him like he was at the start of the season, beating him to it and crossing it in or having a shot. He's, he's trying to work out what he's been taught. And I think it'll all come back together in the end as he kind of slowly adopts it into his natural game. But just for me... He, I think it's worth just saying to him, just do what you do, mate. Just, and I think the second half against Bradford, he he did start to do that more once he was out on the right wing. But um, yeah, he just need to get to, to play with instinct and stop trying to sort of remember the things he's been taught on the on the coaching field, and then we'll get the best out of him again. I think you might be right, Tim. Like, I, he's overcoached. It isn't necessarily a bad thing. Like, I don't think he's no, it's not. It's not a criticism of the. He's probably ne- yeah. He's probably never. He's never been. Never been coached before, but Bally keeps going on the last two games about being good at the basics. And I think it looks like he's lost a bit of confidence, doesn't he? But I think if he just goes back to doing the basics well, because he gets us up the pitch. Like a, there's times, well, certainly yesterday and, and Monday, where we're bogged in. He he is that one to get us up the pitch and, yeah, relieve well, the, the pressure. One- the one thing the recent change in formation seems to have done is it ended the Tracy as a number 10 experiment, hopefully for good, because he needs to play on the right wing and nowhere else. Okay, so what Steve just said about five minutes ago, though, is we could probably talk about every player for about 10 minutes, and that would be you know quite a long podcast about how great they were. Um, I agree, but I'm not going to listen at the same time, Steve, because there's another one I want to talk about. Lewis Billington, Tim. Um, I looked this up. He's played 15 games this year. About half of them are not in the league. I think he's played eight league games. He played one two years ago. So we're talking about a player who hasn't yet played 10 league games for the club. I've forgotten that now. He just looks like he's an established member of this first team. He's really come on leaps and bounds in the last week or so, hasn't he? Yeah. I, he's, he's taken to first team football like a duck to water. Um, I think... I'm already at the point now where I'm wondering where he, where his ceiling lies. Um, and I think what's impressive is, you know, he's he's got all of the stuff that you'd expect from a, a defensive player. He's got, you know, the work rate, the ability to put his foot in. But he's also, he's mobile. He's got good technique. Um, I'm not sure I know where his best position is because he's looked... Very accomplished wherever he's played across the back line, left, centre, right. When he's gone into midfield, he's not looked out of place. So, yeah, I mean, I'm not sure he, it was in the plan for Billington to play as much as he has, but he has looked excellent. And um, I think he he, he deserves a, a place in the team now. Out of contract in the summer as well, so we need to resolve that quite quickly. The, the man who seems to have lost out in that, though, Mark, is uh, Ryan Cooney. But when he came on, Jesus Christ, he was about three times faster than I remember Ryan Cooney being when he was bombing down that wing. Ryan Cooney's a, a, a strange one. Um, I don't mean that personally, by the way. What I mean is... When I, I don't know, if you've, listened, if you've listened to Jack Powell's <laughs> interview, uh, he doesn't come across... <laughs> yeah, I have, yeah. Um, 
when I saw him preseason, I came on the podcast, if you remember, and said that I liked him. He looked quick. He looked quite physical. He looked strong. I didn't see many people getting past him. And then it's not really happened for him. I never think he's been absolutely, truly awful. But I see on social media there's quite a lot of negative um, commentary about him, which I think is a bit harsh. Um, but I, I still like him. I think he's got something. Um, at the moment, he's a he seems to be more effective off the bench because he seems to play um, his his best game when it feels like he's got something to prove when he's been left out. Um, he was absolutely superb yesterday, you know. And again, it feeds into what we've just said. You know, you've got a player there that's been left out. He's on the bench. He's come on. The manager's, I, I would imagine, is saying in his ear, "Go out there and just run round and, and make it difficult." Um, and he did it. You know, it's it's much easier said than done getting players to do what you ask them to do. But he was brilliant, and of course, he um, he did superbly well when the Mansfield defender was trying to shield the ball out and set Courtney Baker Richards up, which should have made it two, and that should have been game over. Who was your first choice right back then, Mark? If we're playing a back four, and Cooney and Billington are both fit. Billington. Yeah, same here. He's one of ours, and he's he's gonna we're gonna make money off him. I, you can't say that either. Of that. And that's probably a bit unfair on Ryan Cooney, but um, Billington's earned his nod at the moment. Yeah. Um, Steve, last week on the podcast, I was a bit down. Um, you know, we were covering the Warsaw defeat and the Newport draw, I think it was. Um, and I said that this season was sort of petering out. We dropped out the playoffs and injuries and we're down to eight players training. It is remarkable what a week can do for you. You know, six points from six. I'm absolutely flying after the Mansfield win. Um, season's back on, isn't it? If you ever want someone to kickstart your season, then this has been a week to do it, hasn't it? Um, I haven't got a clue where we're going to finish. I think injuries will dictate where we're going to probably end up. Um, it's a big month in terms of recruitment. Um, keeping Joe White would be massive. And I'm sure that's a conversation for another day. But yeah, look, we're 5th. It's the 6th of January, is it? We're not there by, like Mark says, we're not there by fluke. Um, we've got every right to be there. Um, and after Bally said, after Newport, whatever happens, we're going to give it a right good go. And whatever happens for the next four months, let's just enjoy it and see what see where it takes us. I don't think it's any secret that Conor Raiden's going to be off in the next week or so. Um, well, and he... <laughs> <laughs> I think I saw something on Twitter. Um, <laughs> I think he's going to be a big loss because... Apart from when CBR is back there defending corners, he's our biggest defender. And you know, aerially, he's our he's our he's our best defender. Um, how he is replaced is, I think, make or break for the season because you know, you know, Billington might play in there. You know, Zach Williams will be back and he'll be fit at some stage, hopefully, and he'll play in there a bit. But I do think um, a Raiden will be a big loss. I don't think it's what? as cut and dried as people might think, though. I don't think it's necessarily imminent. Um, and I'm not so sure he'll go to Blackburn. You know, they're, they're not having the best of time. And I think the manager's on thin ice there, isn't he? Um, so and they just bought two centre-halves as well. Yeah, on week. Friday. But that, that just can I just jump in with something, Stu, that ties really nicely into that? Um, as I've said a few times already on this um, this actual podcast, it's very easy to go over the top and um, and say things in the in the heat of delight that you don't actually mean. But I was sitting thinking last night, 
Mickey Dimitri has got to be one of the best ever crew signings that I've experienced in my supporting time. I was thinking like Magic Bagheera would be one, but he was alone. Dave Walton was obviously a, a big signing at centre half. There was the guy that came from um, Swansea. Was it Alan Tate that showed us up for a while? He was good, but I'm trying to think of a, another player that we've signed that's had this kind of impact. Um, Steve McCauley. Steve McCauley and Sean Smith were mine in my head. Yeah, they were. Yeah, that, that's fair. But he's he's got to be in the top five, maybe. Tim, you don't look probably. Probably a pod for another day, but yeah, I, I get where you're coming from. It's just no, presence on the pitch yesterday because I watched the game uh, usually from the side at the right at the back of the main stand. So I see the game very differently to someone that sits right behind the goal. And obviously, yesterday I was right behind the goal. So you appreciate him a bit more and you realize what he's where he's willing to put his head and his body to keep the ball out of the net. Um, and I, I just think he's been. A phenomenal signing in terms of his ability, but also his leadership. Tim, you're grinning like you're going to come in with something to just no, wipe it out. I, I, no, I completely agree. It's just the way you started off of the position of the best signing ever and then we're like the best five. It reminded me of that speech in Bridget Jones where she's like, the greatest book of our time. Oh, except your books, Mr. Rutley, and your books, Mr. Archer. One of the best books anyway. Sorry. Bridget Jones's diary was not what I expected to be yeah, covering. Today, I'll That's be honest. Not where I wanted this. It was on TV the other day. Sorry. Yeah, sure. Whatever. You know, whatever floats your boat. We're but not leadership, leadership as well as ability. I think he's just brought so much to the football club. You know, and I remember the reaction on Twitter when Rob McDonald left, and I understood it to a degree. But I mean, this guy's on another level to Rob McDonald. He's been superb. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. Um, I think on, that's the first the time pitch. I've sorry Tim. I think that's the first time I've thought about Rod McDonald in about five months. So there you go. That's how important Mickey Demetrio is for us. Because he was my favourite player last year. I thought he was superb, and uh, I just don't even consider him a crew player at all anymore because of how good Mickey's been. Um, right. I think that's pretty much the whole team covered. Steve, is that what you were after? There's one person I do. Well, also... we haven't we haven't talked about Joe White again. Ole ole ole. We haven't we haven't yet actually talked about CBR. Um, if this guy could score goals, he would be in the Premier League. His work ethic and his ability to help out in defence, get around the pitch yesterday, Tim, was phenomenal. I just want him to put a ball into the back of the goal. I think he's a genuine option when uh, Conor Reardon does go to play centre-half because there can't be anyone in the division that adds more balls out of his own box than CBR. He is phenomenal. I think he must have won about 12 yesterday at Mansfield from their corners. I think it was pretty much 100% strike rate landed on his head. Um, oh, yeah, it was an absolutely superb display yesterday. Um, other than, as you say, the, the the final and probably the most important bit, which is sticking it in the net. But, um, yeah, he was he was brilliant. He must have been absolutely knackered last night. Probably more knackered than he, Mark. He was, de- <laughs> he was dead on his feet at the end. He literally, he, he fell straight on his arse. But, yeah, you'd... You want your number nine to hold in in them situations that are in say you want him to hold him you want him to hold the ball up at the other end. Um which I didn't think he did too great with yesterday, but the shift he put in, like you said, Tim, probably hundred percent strike rate on his head to get rid of him. Um yeah, he won he won every head, didn't he, Mark? He was I was waiting for this. He was superb yesterday. Um am I right in thinking as well? You probably saw it better on the TV than I did from the uh, away end. Was it him that cleared one off the line with his head, second half? 
Yes, I think Luke Offord was the big one. Yeah, Luke Offord was the big one in the first half, wasn't he? Uh, Just after Booth's save. Yeah, I don't think it was going in, though. I think it was going across the goal, but he he definitely won the header, yeah. Yeah. I do think it's it's um, it's strange though, and I keep making the point during the game. Stick him in our six yard box, and he doesn't lose a header. Stick him in the opponent's half, and he seems to struggle. Um, I don't know what that's about, but he was. Yeah, I think that's pr- perhaps again here I go again, but perhaps his best performance of the season yesterday. All right, Steve, go on then. Joe White, ole ole ole. Coming out just seeing that all day, and just finish the pod with that. Um, I'll be honest with you I love this team but he's too good for us um, wherever he ends up in January he is some footballer um, I've never seen feet I don't think I've seen a crew play with feet like him maybe Powell but Ben, ben Rex. say again Ben Rex. Ben Rex. Uh, yeah okay yeah right <laughs> the fact that Tim thinks that's Tim's being serious is actually disturbing but um, yeah great name. Everyone's got a man of match from yesterday. For me, yeah, it was Joe White. Everything that we did went through him. Um, you could give him the ball in the phone box and he'd come out of it and play a 40-yard ball to Rio. Um, he's just an exceptional footballer. Um, and I would throw everything at Newcastle and anything that we have just to keep him for the rest of the season. I'm pretty sure that by the time this podcast is published on Monday morning, the club will have done one of their little uh, video edits of that turn that he did in the middle of the park that settled the CBR champs. Because that was uh, that was a work of art, that hang it in the Louvre, as the kids say. I'm just picturing the kids saying to their dad on Monday morning, listening to this, on the way to school, what's a phone box? <laughs> <laughs> We've covered some serious issues, today, haven't we? Bridget Jones. Well, um, Steve, you just mentioned Rio Adebisi. He's the one player we've not talked about. And I was like, oh, what a game he had yesterday. But I'm, I can't, because then we are literally ticking every <laughs> single player off. That's that's the other thing, by the way, about having offered in midfield. You can have Rio at left-back. And we look a much better team with Rio at left-back than we do in midfield. Yeah. Um, in all seriousness, though, it, again, Rio did have a fantastic game. But we are literally just then going through the entire team sheet and saying, this guy had a great game. This guy had a great game. Um, but... Uh, I'm going to ask all three of you. I fully expect you to be in agreement with this, uh, with what I'm about to say. Result performance of the season yesterday? Yeah. 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 And for for me, I... And again, Mark's touched on it. It's quite easy to get high after that. Not high as in, yeah. But I don't think I've been proud of a crew performance for a long, long time than I was yesterday. Like, they've lost one game all season. Unbeaten at home. They probably are going to go up. I wouldn't want to watch them every week bombing balls into the box, but to go there, um, we're still fairly thin on the ground in terms of numbers. Sticky patch in December. Um, and I, yeah, we deserved it. Let's, let's not shy away from it. But yeah, I don't think I've been prouder of a crew performance in a long, long time than that one. But I don't think that was their game plan, though, bombing balls into the box. And I think this is why I'd have it as the performance of the season. I actually think... Derby away was probably the one where I've been proudest of the team. That was a that was a magnificent win, but I think that was a massive off day for Derby. I think Mansfield are a bloody good team, and I think they showed it yesterday. But I think they tried to play through us to start with. First off, they tried to play through us, and they couldn't do it. They couldn't get Keelor Dunn involved. They couldn't get their ball players through our the middle of the park. So they ended up having to stick the centre half up front and lump balls in. 
that it was us that made them do that yesterday. Um, and I don't think that was an off day for them. I just think they we were too good for them. And I think that's probably why it's it's the best performance of the season because they didn't they didn't have an off day. They played well, but we were just better than them. Yeah, whilst we're talking about Mansfield, it, you know, I, I did enjoy the fact they had to bring Lewis and Clark on trying to find a path to the crew goal, but unsuccessfully. Uh, if you don't understand that reference, then uh, please Google it. Okay, I think we'll end our chat on Mansfield there and we'll turn our attention next to the Swindon game coming up. But first, with their return to action in the new year, the women's team were away at Berry FC on Sunday. Matt, not the start to the year that we wanted. Yeah, um, really disappointed. Disappointed with a few things, really. I felt like um, we played some good football at times, but individual errors cost us. Um, and yet, ultimately, disappointment because it's a game that we felt coming into we, we could win. And having seen it, I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not of a different opinion. Ultimately, they won fair play to them. I think we've made it so easy on our opponents today. It's all right having good build-up play and and working yourself in good areas, lots of possession, but uh, individual errors. And and again, I know it looks like we've scored two goals, but I don't think we've looked anywhere near prolific in the final third. You get away with an error or two if you can score more goals, and we're just struggling with that at the moment. Going to half time, one up. What was the message at half time? Um, it's been a difficult day. We got here. We've had um, we haven't had a warm up. The situation's been poor. Same for both teams. It's been poor. Um, probably less said about that the better so we, our warm-up was was the game so i felt like it took us 15 minutes to bed in um and, and then we did second half was, was pretty much much of the same rather than you know maybe play a bit higher up the pitch can we take our chances 30 seconds after the kickoff we, we've played leah in and, and we missed a one-on-one and and then you know a few minutes later I, I don't know how long later not long later it didn't feel like they've gone and scored and that's the difference isn't it you know one end error the other end yeah Two goals that Berry scored for were from set pieces. Is that disappointing for you? Uh, for the, the corner, yeah, because I don't feel like we've defended it. I don't feel like we've put any pressure on the goals. Had a free header six yards out. That's unacceptable. It's not the first time it's happened this season. Second one, no. I think the free kick's a good free kick. You know, she, she's through on goal and Shez has done what she's had to do. Probably poor defending leading up to that, but Shez has done what she's had to do and the girls put it away well you know we've lined the wall up right hannah's happy i don't get involved in that i'm, I'm happy for her to run that out of these bit ultimately though they've had one decent set of pieces and scored it we've had four or five and it's gone straight to the keeper every time and again differences isn't it maybe something a bit different uh emilia edwards played left back today i thought she had a great game a bit out of position what did you think definitely you know both our full backs were, were, were not are not full backs you know emma heath young young's done the job at right back today Leah, who's a winger, has gone in at right back in the second half. Amelia's done super there. Um, situations, you know, that's what we have a squad for. You know, Raggers has had to pull out today due to personal reasons, um, which means we shift it around. Caitlin has been doing brilliant at full-back, slotted in at centre-back and done a great job. Kirsty wasn't available today due to, you know, severe illness. She's been in hospital this week, so, you know, all, all our thoughts are with her. Um, but, yeah, no, Amelia's done really well. Um, took a little bit of time to grow into the game, as, ex- as expected, but, you know, she's done well. Look forward to next week. Bit of break from league action. Cup game against Carlisle. What are you expecting from that game? Um, more, be more clinical. We've been saying that a lot this season. Be more clinical. A win. Obviously, we see the Cups as a real chance of success this season because um, we, we know we're capable of going on a, on a real run in the league and, and finishing up there with the top teams. We'll, we'll need to be you know, more professional than today. 
But uh, the cups are there to be won. We believe there'll be a lot of top teams around there, so it, it's 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 the win it's to go through. Really, performances are nice, but cup games, it, the win's the most important thing. Thank you, Matt. Cheers, mate. Okay, Mark, there's just one game coming up this week, which, you know, it's been a long time since we went Saturday to Saturday. Um, it is the We've Beaten Mansfield derby. There's only two teams that have done it this year uh, in the league, and it is us and Swindon who come to Gresty Road. Um, I think it is really important that when we get a good result like Mansfield 1-0 away, we capitalise it on beating a team in 15th at home in the next game, isn't it? Yes, especially Swindon. I still don't like them. I'm I'm terrible for holding grudges, and I still don't like the fact that they paraded the league title back in 2019. Didn't uh, you start this podcast talking about how you hold a grudge against Mansfield? Yeah, I hold a bigger one against Swindon. He he told me that he waved that he waved that man on the way into the ground today, and I ignored him, so he's not going to speak to me forever about the sounds of things. <laughs> Sorry, Mark. Getting back to beating Swindon. Yes, it is. It's definitely. Um, Important to beat them. Uh, they're having a tough time. It's very difficult for me to see, um, as you can imagine. And they've just lost the best two players. They've been recalled in Kemp and uh, Young, I think. Uh, it's Young. nearly all their goals and assists have disappeared. Um, they were 2-0 up yesterday and, and got pegged back to 2-2 by Colchester at home. Um, coming off the back of two really difficult games and really difficult uh, opponents... Um, I just hope we don't turn up thinking it's a done deal. You know, we'll need to apply the same effort and determination and, and work ethic. And it'd be nice, you know, to give someone a really good hiding um, and them particularly. Well, I mean, there is that possibility, Tim. They've conceded 52 in the league this season already, which is joint with Sutton, who are currently bottom, and only Colchester have conceded more at 54. So they are quite leaky at the back. You know, this is a team we could be scoring goals against. We've got real problems at the moment. I believe they've only got 11 fit senior players. So um, between us, we can probably just about put together a training game, never mind a first-team game. Um, yeah, they, they, as Mark said, the, the two uh, best players have been recalled. Um, they actually started the season on fire, but I think they're pretty much bottom of the League 2 form table over the last couple of months. So... Um, they have taken a few pastings already, and um, I would love it if we gave them one on uh, on Saturday. Steve, disagree with that? Um, I probably don't hold as much hatred as as Mark does <laughs> towards them, but it's it's the next big one, isn't it? What's the point in you're writing what you said at the top? Like, what's the point in going to Mansfield and putting that performance in if we don't if we don't turn these like these over? It is a game that. We've got some horrible games away from home, I think. You look at, we've got Barrow up next, we've got Stockport in the next few. Um, when you look at January, well, when I, certainly when I looked at January, it was win your home games um, and trying to get something away. Now, we're in the positives because we won yesterday um, and we beat Bradford. So, yeah, that's it's a big game, really. We need to follow up what we did just today with just a win. Hey, look, if we wall up anyone, then great. But three points is three points, isn't it? So, so, if I was to take your prediction as a third 1-0 for the year, you'd be happy with that? Me? Yeah. I won't, I won't, I won't say, I, do you know what? I was thinking about this this morning. I, we keep the same team. 2-0. All right. Tim? I think I'm in Mark's camp here. I fancy giving someone a good hiding. Um, 
I think you know we've got we've got Tracy, we've got Roe, Nevitt, CBR, plenty of uh, attacking firepower fit at the moment. So um, five one. All right, Mark. <laughs> Not quite as optimistic as that, although I'd like to be. I'll be a bit more of a fence sitter and go three one. All right, three crew wins. Um, okay, I spoke to Rich from the Loath Stranger podcast to get his perspective on Swindon's season so far. Hi, Rich. Welcome back to the podcast. Hello, Stuart. Good to be back. I've done a few of these now, so it's always nice that you keep asking me back. Yeah, we missed you in the first game. I think you were away, uh, couldn't make it. But I think you are one of the only people that's been on all four years we've been doing this. So, yeah, oh. nice to keep that going. Um, I think the place for us to start would be the game back in August. Um, it ended in a 2-2 draw. Crew scoring late equalise. What were your thoughts on the game and what were your thoughts on uh, the, how the season was going to go from that point? Yeah, the, the Crew game proved to be our first league game of the season because our opening day fixture against Colchester was rained off in August. So there was a lot of optimism. We'd given Peterborough a pretty good game in the League Cup in the build-up to that. And we started pretty well. I think Swindon were generally the better side on the day. Um, I mean, we went 2-0 up. I think we it felt like we were coasting and then crew did what crew have done a lot this season. And we were the first victims of that. And that was uh, to come back. Although we, we conceded our, uh, our second uh, much earlier than most of the teams that you get your equalizers against. We were in normal time. So I, I think the rhetoric from my side of things, including the crew game is we were unbeaten for the first nine league games of the season. And it's very, very, easy to argue that we should have won every single one of those games because we were 2-0 up against Crew, uh, We were 5-3 up against Wrexham away in injury time and drew 5-5. We drew away at Doncaster 0-0 and they were down to 10 men before the second half started. And we threw away a lead against Morecambe away. So it was, it was a brilliant, brilliant time. And it was a good time for us to play Crew because... We had a a tactic of very much storming forward, loads of energy, loads of swashbuckling forward play, but very reckless at the back. But our attacking play was getting us out of jail. And as we'll probably discuss, when the, the attacking element <laughs> leaves us a little bit, um, then the frailties began to appear and the cracks were no longer being papered. But... We were we were good. I mean, it's hard to it's hard to really summarize the opening day and the opening few games of the season because teams get unexpected victories. You're all bedding in a new squad, so it's when you look back when you do your season reviews, you don't really dwell on the opening five games of the season or so because it's it's a new team bedding in, whether that's good or bad. Yeah, let's talk about those uh, the players then. Obviously, you've lost a couple of pretty big players for you. I, I would assume Jake Young and mm. Dan Kemp both going back to MK and Bradford, respectively. Um, how big is that for Swindon? I think they've both got 16 goals each already this season. That's right, yeah, in both competitions. Um, Young, 16 in the league, Kemp, 14, and then a couple in the FA Cup. But it's the overwhelming majority of our goals. Um, after that run of nine games that I mentioned to you, 
14 of the 23 goals we've scored have come from either Young or Kemp during our poor run. So without them, and having not replaced them yet, uh, we are in a very scary territory. The reality is, although if 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 an outsider of Swindon looks at the the points and how far we are from the playoffs, it's only about five points. You think, oh, you can turn that around at that moment. At this moment in time, we're looking at Kemping Young's goals and we're grateful that they happened because we would be in a far worse situation now had they not scored their goals. Their contribution is essentially keeping us up right now unless we we do another masterstroke in January, which we don't tend to do. So I think the rhetoric right now, unless we have a complete turnaround of fortunes, is their contribution is the reason we're not in a relegation scrap this season. And until something happens, I don't think anyone can really argue that because we're 15th with teams around us with games in hand, we can easily drop. So um, it's huge. Kemp is beyond his goals. Young arrived and we didn't expect him to be as key a player because he didn't really, didn't really score goals before he arrived at Swindon and he just enjoyed a lovely purple patch, but Kemp is the real deal. He should be in League One minimum, um, both for his, you know, scoring is is his secondary attribute. Everything else was was why Swindon fans were so keen. If if we had to choose between one of those to stay, it would have been Kemp all day long for his general ability and his contribution to the team. But that's not to take anything from Young, who for stages looked absolutely brilliant. But it, it's huge. And we also lost our goalkeeper to injury. He went back to QPR, Murphy Mahoney. I, he did. He wasn't as important as Young and Kemp, but he played every minute of every game until he went off injured against Tramier during in December. So um, that's also a big, a big, a big loss for Swindon. Um, if you look at the, the, you know, if you just go on goal stats, it looks like this game should be a fairly entertaining <laughs> one. Um, yeah. Swindon, I think, have scored one more than us and are the fourth highest team uh, in terms of goals scored in League Two. Crew being fifth, but. Yeah. Swindon are also second highest concede, or joint second highest, along with Sutton, uh, mm-hmm. goals conceded this season. So, you know, anyone that wants entertainment, it suggests Crew versus Swindon should be where to find it. You think so? We are very generous um, with conceding goals. We've only kept one clean sheet um, in our last 18 games, and that was back in October and we we conceded seven goals to a mid-table National League side in in the FA Cup which which is testament to the season we're having where that has just completely come and gone with no with no real legacy you know we were 7-0 down against a non-league side um we concede goals for fun we are not good defensively it's not an individual issue i believe it's the way we're set up michael flynn insists on three at the back and so far i've not seen one um, I've not seen one sort of group of players that have nailed it. Even when we had our best three centre-backs or best three players playing at centre-back, we were still conceding a lot of goals. So, and it, that was when Young was papering those cracks. You know, it's all well and good. We conceded five, but we'll score five. You know, that was that was very much the feeling. And then, and then it's got progressively worse with injuries. All of our defenders have, have suffered an injury um, during this time. We've had midfielders playing at the back, but he will, Michael Flynn will still play three at the back. We have played this season with three at the back and 
our only centre-back playing has been a 19-year-old, 20-year-old second-year pro who wasn't a regular until this season, uh, which is unfair on that player, Harrison Minton. If you go at us, you will score. You know, if you have a half chance, you will score. because, And that's not because of poor, unlucky Swindon. It's because we give them to the opposition. We are very generous in giving the op opposition uh, chances, which, you know, I've, I've done this. I've done this for you a few times over the years, and I'm not a doom and gloom sort of fan. It's the reality. You look at the goals we've conceded, both in numbers and how we concede them. It's it's not hard to, you know, we're not scratching our heads and wondering why on earth we're 15th. Um, just before we finish, Rich, there's one player who made his debut uh, in that Swindon crew game earlier this season. He's not really featured much for you guys. Um, Tariq Wakwe, how's yeah. he getting on down in Wiltshire? Yeah, he had a good year for you. He, he was barely injured. I think he played most games. And sadly, that's not been the case. So he's 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 injured. He's a long-term injury as well. I don't think we'll see him again until March at the earliest. Um, it 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 looked like he was going to be our mainstay. And then he got injured and, and disappeared. And I wonder if we'll see much of him again. I liked him. He, he, he wasn't brilliant, but he, he knew his role. He was all right in it. He wasn't the reason why we weren't, why we were conceding so many goals. But uh, he got... He got injured early on, and it's just not worked out for him so far. Um, but that's not he's not not playing because he's rubbish. He's not playing because he's he's very injured at the moment. All right, Rich. Um, one last question then: What's the score going to be on Saturday? Usually, I I like to give the hope of a draw minimum. I can't see anything beyond a crew win. Um, we might. We might give you a little bit of a game at times. Um, you might make it a little bit shaky for yourselves. We, we've got the ability to score still somehow. We might even have three or four debuts um, next week, but that can get kicked down the road almost weekly. So we'll have one debutant definitely in Dawson Devoy um, from MK Dons. But I'll say 3-1 crew at the moment. All right, Rich. Thank you for your time. A pleasure. Thank you very much. Right, to finish off with then this week, there's two things. Um, first one's just a quick one, a quick plug from me uh, to make sure you listen in to our Jack Powell interview if uh, you haven't already. I'm sure you have. It's got quite good numbers. Uh, Tim and I were on the pod, so I'm not going to talk or ask Tim about it. But Steve and Mark, you've both listened in. What were your thoughts? Uh, massively impressed with him. Um, he sounds a very likeable chap. Um and for someone that isn't crew, um, he is very much crew. Um, he gets us. Um, he wants to be coached. He he gets the ethos of the club. And yeah, fair play to the both of you because I thought it was an outstanding podcast. Yeah, superb. I was trying to think of um, if we'd had a, a current first teamer before. I think Murphy was, was he? I was told. And was there somebody else? Um, Rio. And we got Rio on a, yeah, a couple of times. So it was absolutely superb. Um, he spoke really well. Seems like a really nice fella, intelligent fella. Um, I did hear a bit of a whisper that one of the reasons that he he was thinking of signing for us is looking longer term into coaching. And he, Steve's right. He is crew, isn't he? he? Ticks all the boxes. It sounds like he's um, 
he's a ready-made coach for us. So, yeah, um, well done on getting him on in the first place. And um, and the podcast itself was absolutely excellent. And again, if anyone's out there that's not heard it yet, go and have a listen. I would question why anyone's listening to this one without listening to that one. It, it, I, that would confuse me, I would say. Um, but yeah, everybody's, I think the, everybody's the, welcome. <laughs> the the feedback I've got um, is the fact that he, you know he sounds like an academy player that wasn't an academy player. You know, he gets the club. He he sort of understands it. The the point that Tim made on the Twitter this week about crew are unusual for a team in League Two that they don't bring a manager who brings his own philosophy in. They have a philosophy and they bring the manager in to fit that. Uh, was something that attracted him. So yeah, if you've not listened yet, uh, please do. Uh, it's. I was I was actually conversation. quite quite surprised at his route to crew. I didn't realise he'd spent as much time in non-league as he actually has. It, I was quite shocked um, because I hadn't researched his past beyond Crawley. So um, yeah, it's it's a fair old story and and it's definitely worth a listen. Big shout out to his missus as well because she told him to sign for us because Lee Bell's a nice man. So. <laughs> The other thing he had some um, he had some interesting takes on some of his teammates as well, didn't he? Uh, I thought that was quite interesting. Poor yeah. Ryan Cooney. Yeah, poor Ryan Cooney. Right. The other thing I wanted to bring up today, Tim, I'm going to hand over to you. This is our final podcast before we get started with the last man standing. So if you've not entered yet, um, then this is your last week to do so. You can't enter halfway through. Um, we ran it last, or we started to run it last week. Um, it's not had as many people who said that they were going to sign up as as have signed up, but that doesn't mean you're not going to. But Tim, I'm going to hand over to you just to remind people how to do that and what it's all about. Yeah, so it's a last man standing competition. Effectively, the way this works is once you've entered, it's £5 to enter. Every week, you'll pick a League Two team. Um, your selected team has to win. If they win, you're through to the next week. If your team draws or loses, you're out. And eventually, we'll get to one person left, the last man standing, and, and they'll take the pot. Now, the pot is going to be half of the entry fees. The other half of the entry fees is going to go towards a crew-related cause. Um, we're going to start by giving half the winnings to the women's team, and then we'll take it from there. Can I just and confirm some rules, Tim? Um, yes. Are you only allowed to pick one team? And once you pick that one team, that's it? That is correct. Yeah. So once you've, you can only use each team once. So once you've picked, for example, Wrexham, you can't use them again. If anyone picks Wrexham, that's an automatic disqualification, isn't it, Tim? That's them, you know. We can't well, in that case, we've already got a few automatic disqualifications <laughs> for this week. Um, and it's uh, worth saying that the, um, the first week is the 13th, the fixtures is the 13th. So um, Saturday coming is the first week of fixtures, as you'll be listening to this on Monday or afterwards. Um, so get your entries in before Thursday, please. Um, and the way to enter is to email railwomenpodcastlms at gmx.com. Railwomenpodcastlms at gmx.com. It that address will be in the podcast notes as well. So whatever you're listening to this on, if you look at the info, it'll be there. Um, and then you'll get a, a reply with just I think it's your bank details, Tim, how to send you five pounds, and then you know to to pick your team as well for the week. Yeah, you'll get a uh, you'll get a link to the to the fixture list, and you'll get information about where to send your five pounds entry fee. 
And once you've done that, you're in, you're part of the last man standing. Uh, please do take part. Like I say, it's a possibility that you'll get quite a good um, pot of money if you do win it. It's the first time we've ever done anything like this with the pod. I know we've done stuff before competitions wise, but in terms of money, um, it's the first time we've done anything like this. And we do want to sort of, you know, contribute to the club and help the women's team or the men's team or wherever it ends up going. Um, so yeah, do take part. There is a possibility you'll win quite a bit of money and help the club out. So that's win-win. Right. I think that will do us for this week then. Steve, Mark, Tim, thank you as ever for coming on. Thank you. Pleasure as always. Thank you. 50 up. Yeah, Mark, well done on reaching your 50th podcast appearance, catching Tim up. Uh, I think you're the third panellist to do it after Tim and uh, Alex. Thank you for having me. Um, thank you, as ever, for listening. We will be back next week to discuss the Swindon game. Until then, goodbye. Dang, 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 ding, dong, ding. Blue moon.